From Vine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jamal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. Guys, it's Friday. It's Friday. We're going to do the do in a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. We are going to do the do. But you know, I, I have not done the do in a long time. I don't think I've ever done the do. You've never done the do? Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, you are not like a 13 year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> never. Were you never into, skate- ever into skateboarding? <laughs> no. Oh. Were, were you was Adam? The thing like skateboarders drink yeah, Mountain Dew. Yeah. Were you a skateboarder? Yeah, I was a semi. No, I was. I thought you were a thespian. A little bit of that too. Not that you can't be both. Don't put me in a box, Joanna. Sorry, Don't I'm put so me in sorry. a box. I'm sorry. Uh, I will proudly say I was not a skateboarder. I tried skateboarding exactly once. It ended exactly the way you would imagine, and that was it for me. <laughs> yeah, I was a more ride down on my butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like yeah, the do the do, man. Mm-hmm. It was like, but I actually want this is a really good question. I want to ask you guys about this because it's fascinating to me. So, like Mountain Dew was very much and when we were teenagers and I think still really kind of brands itself around like extreme sports. Yeah, extreme. But like, do, do, are, are those sports still extreme? Like, aren't they just super main, like their own kind of mainstream thing now? Right. Like escape, like do you escape skateboarding? Like, does anyone find it like scary? Any, I'm not like the yeah, scary, so quite fall, scary. But just, like, it's kind of alt still. Is it? Yeah. Cause I think, I think any of these sports were like, you could very easily break a limb, mm-hmm. become okay. like the point of extreme, right? It's like if you're if you're catching mad air, bro, <laughs> and then you can come back down and and break something. That's considered, I think, an extreme. If, if most moms would not and dads would not approve. Sure, okay. you know. <laughs> uh, although I will say, is, is football extreme? I think in certain places, yes. I think just certain <laughs> parents, yes. Like maybe uh, here in Seattle, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Uh, in Portland, but um, I think. What's interesting about Mountain Dew is Red Bull's really taken that sort yeah. of mantle from them as, as like the the soda that sponsors extreme stuff. Right, right. Um, yeah, you don't hear about as much from Mountain Dew anymore. But that's well, kind of yeah. uh, part of our discussion today, which is mm-hmm. all of. So we're gonna at the end of the, at the end of the episode, dear listeners, we're gonna drink some hard Mountain Dew. Uh, but before we do that. Uh, have a conversation about all of these mainstream brands, non-ALK brands going ALK. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's really interesting to have this conversation right now because we're hearing so much about ALK going non-ALK that it's really interesting to see so many non-ALK brands going ALK, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking for their placement amongst the alcohol world. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about Mountain Dew specifically is, you know, it was created as a mixer for whiskey. Right. That's like sort of its story mm-hmm. for bourbon specifically. It's, you know, it's like from the mountains of Kentucky, <laughs> uh, you know, from the Appalachian uh, is where like Mountain Dew comes from initially. And it was supposed to be a mixer for uh, for whiskey. Now you have other people who mix a lot of other stuff with it. Mm-hmm. But it is one of these very sort of quintessential old school mixers. And you're seeing this happen across the board, right? Like Topo Chico now has an alcoholic version. Mm-hmm. Um, Fresca. Fresca is an alcoholic version. And I'm curious, like, why do you guys think that's happening? Well, I think it's happening because as we've seen, like FMB's uh, flavored malt beverages yeah. are very popular right now. So I think this makes uh, like a ton of sense. And there's the added benefit of of known brands having an alcoholic line extension. So if you are a loyal Mountain Dew drinker, it's likely you'll try hard Mountain Dew, right? Right. But can I ask a question before Zach gives his answer, which is, I hear all that, mm-hmm. 
But don't you all remember this time in alcohol where like we were supposed to very clearly have things for underage consumers to drink Mm -hmm. and things for overage consumers to drink and like we weren't supposed to muddy those waters right there was like all this concern about like this shouldn't look like it has alcohol in it or we shouldn't make something that could be like a kid could consume as non-alcoholic and like now i feel like all these brands are just completely blurring the lines when did that happen because that seems to be a real pivot to me from the way that most of these companies all operated for the past multi-decades or am i wrong no, I think I think you're right. I think I think we there was a pivotal moment. Maybe it's with like um, you know, not your what was it? Not your father's root beer, beer not your dad's root not beer. Not your dad's root beer, like that kind of thing. I also think hard seltzer is a big part of this, yeah. right? Yeah. Like those types of drinks really appeal to younger uh, consumers, and I also just think that it's too big of an opportunity for these brands to forego. So money, you're saying it's about money. It's about money. <laughs> Thanks, I, oh, of course yeah, you're, so not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm sorry for capitalism. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, I am sorry for capitalism, but it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. I want to say, I think that, that Joanna is, I think, partially right I, or, or is right, but I think you could even look back a little further. I think one of the big pivotal drinks in this whole evolution over time was Bikes Hard Lemon, Lemonade. Oh, like sure. that, that in, in our, mm-hmm. I think in our lifetime as like, you know, teenagers onward i never was had me. lemonade just and also clear. smirnoff smirnoff ice oh yeah but even but smirnoff came after as far as i can recall yes, it did. Like, it did. i think i think mike's hard was the first thing that i remember seeing when i was a teenager that was like so clearly because because you know in that period of time when we were teenagers in <clears throat> whatever years those were you had the the real kind of first line extensions of a lot of these uh, big soda companies, big non-alcoholic beverage companies into, you know, whether it was uh, things like, um, oh, God, why am I blanking on the name of it? Um, there were, you know, there were your various, uh, you know, your teas, your, your, your sort of juices, you had all these things, right? And basically, mm-hmm. these companies were like, we are the industry leader in flavor, right? We understand flavored beverage better than anyone else. And we have the cutting edge science and technology. We have the distribution, we have the marketing and branding, and we're going to go in there. And what Mike's heart, I think, did was sort of recognize that like, you know, you can do something kind of, and obviously it didn't come from one of those big soda companies, but what they realized is that you could do something that was, I mean, God, this is going to maybe sound sketchy and I, I don't really mean it this way, but like they recognize that like, if you like, if you make a product that appeals to a 21 year old, probably going to appeal to a 20 year old, like mm-hmm. not that big of a difference. Like we legally consider those two people, one, a legal drinker and one not, but you know, we all went from 20 to 21 one day and didn't become a totally different person in that day. And so, and you can work backwards from there. And I think that what you've seen is that those kinds of beverages that were obviously very popular with young drinkers and therefore younger people who are not quite of drinking age were, were, were popular. They they were successful and they, they hit mm-hmm. that young demographic really, really hard. And it, and it's a demographic that's in a lot of ways up for grabs when it comes to beverage alcohol, because you know, even if people are drinking underage, they probably don't have super established brand loyalty. And what I think you're just seeing is, you know, yeah, the 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 the, the value of that market has only grown, and mm-hmm. and these companies, including some of the big behemoths like PepsiCo and and Coca Cola, are recognizing that like mm-hmm. if they lose those drinkers to Truly and to White Claw, they're never getting them back. Like yeah. they're just not. And that's, I think, what this is all about, right? Like you, you, if, if someone says, Hey, on the day I turn 21 and can legally go buy alcohol, 
I'm trading in my Mountain Dew for my, you know, whatever for my White Claw, like at least in part, like the, the yeah, you know, that's that's sales that you just can't get back, and and I think that's you know, frankly, a big part of it, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's like mm-hmm. soda is is getting nervous, and so well, yeah, I think also you see these more and more spirits brands launching their own canned cocktails, right? Yeah. So you have Crown Royal Whiskey Cola or Jack Daniels Jack and Cola, like. Why wouldn't we have the opposite? Right. Coca-Cola, Coke and whiskey. Exactly. Whiskey, Coke. And they can actually. Mm, who suggested this was coming soon? I can't remember. Someone on the podcast said something about this once. I don't know. I was last <laughs> Dave? Yeah, Dave, right? I was probably Dave. I wasn't there. So I think it was Dave. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think it's really, it just, it is so fascinating to me because of the amount of caution I feel like all these brands used to have. Mm-hmm. And because it always has felt like a no-brainer. I think what also is interesting about it is I wonder if, and this is a completely like harebrained theory, but hear mm-hmm. me out here. I feel like we've always been a much more conservative country, right? And we there have already been hard soda brands, whiskey, Coke, et cetera, in Europe for decades. I mean, I remember going when I first went abroad and I saw all of these, you know, sort of, RTD-esque products in the cooler next to beer that had Coke and Jack in them and things like mm-hmm. that, right? And I wonder if it's the, the threat of losing market share. Mm-hmm. It is also the massive proliferation out of marijuana products that seem to have no regulation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All of this together and all these brands are like, okay, like what the – yeah, we're not going to be the only ones that sit here and not, not do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, why not at this point? Like, everyone else is doing this. I also think this definitely proves that the, the no alk movement is pretty much non-existent because if these brands are creating these products, they're going for Gen Z with these. Mm-hmm. And that would be a complete, you know, that, that a rebuttal to the idea that Gen Z doesn't drink because who is going to make these products for a group of people that doesn't drink? Right. right? Yeah. They clearly drink and they clearly are going to drink this, which is really, really interesting. And again, I think needs to be reported more yeah. as opposed to sort of this <clears throat> belief we all have that based on a few people on TikTok, there's like this massive low alk movement booming, mm-hmm. you know, coming. Yeah. I just yeah. don't think it Every is. Every Gen Zer I know says they, they drink. Yeah. <laughs> and like most of them say they drink a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we, we had hard lives, man. We missed out on a lot. I'm like, yeah, like this, this generation <laughs> might drink more actually. Um, not a good I want to, I want to ask really on this good. point specifically, there's something to me too, in all this, that's really interesting about the idea that one other thing that's spurring this, whether it's the willingness of these big uh, non-alc brands to enter beverage alcohol, or whether it's even some of the other products that we've seen launched that are, um, that fit somewhere in between that and purely alcohol-based brands is a, a sort of openness to the idea that this is still an un, you know, this is still an unsettled battleground in a way. And, and that we may, you know, kind of what I was saying before about, you know, that these brands are, are concerned about losing potential long-term sales to, to other companies as they always have been. But like, you know, I think, you know, to ask your question about, uh, or to answer your question in a slightly different way about what's spurring some of these big mm-hmm. brands to come into this category, it's that I think probably reasonably so Coca-Cola probably in PepsiCo have to see a bunch of these other companies as their competitors now. Oh yeah. Right? yeah they, you know, then they're no longer squared off against one another saying like, well, as long as we outcompete Coke or outcompete Pepsi or we get the big sponsorships or whatever, we're good. It's much more about having to 
fend off not just the other big soda behemoths, but to also, you know, remain relevant against um, not just and not just, you know, kind of artisanal sodas and things like that, but this whole raft of beverage alcohol, because as we've talked about in a variety of different ways in other categories, you know, millennials and Gen Z are are much less brand loyal or at least category loyal than they've ever been than any previous generation has been seemingly mm-hmm. to this point. And you just don't know that you can count on a kind of, you know, permanent spot as a as a big player if you don't make what people seem to want. And right now the market is saying and has not had not been listened to for a long time. We want, you know, appealing, flavorful, you know, kind of recognizable, easy to grab, straightforward beverage alcohol. We don't. Mm -hmm. You know, along with everything else, I'm not saying that that's the entirety of what uh, the, you know, millennial Gen Z consumer wants, but that 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 whether it's through uh, hard seltzer, other FMBs, whether it's through RT, you know, RTD drinks or whether it's through whatever, we are seeing so clearly that like at this moment, this is what a large part of the consumer base wants. And if you can't deliver it to them, I mean, like you're just, yeah, you're, you're, you're behind you. These companies are already behind the times. They're just playing catch up now. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, to Adam's earlier point, like you see people are going to mix stuff or spirits with your products anyway. So why not just do it for them? And I wonder if Joanna, like you see this from your, like your background as a food writer, Mm -hmm. like that this is trailing the food movement and that it seems like in drinks now, everyone's just looking for flavor, mm-hmm. like really aggressive flavor, whether that's like, you know, in the past, like the Doritos Locos tacos mm-hmm. and all the big like spicy flavors we saw hit food and all those weird collabs where you would have like different brands people knew like, free, you know, Frito-Lay was making every different kind of taco with Taco Bell, right? Mm-hmm. And like, is this just what that was five or six years ago? I think, I mean, I think to a certain extent, yes, it seems like there is a a certain amount of like one-upmanship with these drinks, but I also find it very interesting because I think of White Claw and I think they're not very flavorful. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because this seems opposite of that. Yeah. Like White Claw is so successful, so popular, and those products taste they're not super flavorful. They're low calorie. Like that's, yeah. that was their whole reason for being right. But then you have stuff like this Mount, hard mountain dew, which I can only imagine will be very, very flavorful. And I think it's, it's a really interesting change from that. Well, and I wonder if like that is part of the reason that truly and things like high noon have been successful because they are much more flavorful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like truly's whole thing is about flavor right. and experimentation and whatever. These are actually made by Boston beer, mm-hmm. these mountain dews mm-hmm. um, in partnership with PepsiCo. Right. So like there is a, like they clearly went to someone who did flavor. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think flavor seems to be trending across drinks, whether it's like, really funky flavors and natural wine and people looking for like the nattiest of the natty Mm -hmm. to, you know, really, yeah. Flavored spirits. Like, you know, we just saw, uh, 21 seeds get bought by Diageo, a flavored Mm -hmm. tequila, right. We have, and then we also have just like big, bold bourbon flavors where people are looking for, you know, higher alcohol, barrel proof, smack you in the face flavor. Mm -hmm. And this, yeah, I feel like it's just, that's really interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that until now. I think that's a really good point. The White Claw actually doesn't have much flavor. Yeah. Yet it's it's, it's always tied back to being like the beginning of all of this. Mm-hmm. 
And maybe it's just one, I think it's maybe just one cog in the story, but it's not the reason. It's just that then it had the viral success I think everyone else wants to capture. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it, even if it isn't the most flavorful of the hard seltzers or whatever, it also, I think, was pivotal in terms of showing that you could put out a tremendously successful product that was you know, just sort of very simple that that, where the flavorings were simple in terms of very easy to understand. I mean, I think we've talked about Mm -hmm. that as being crucial to some of hard seltzer's appeal is that like, we all know, you know, we have a pretty good idea for watermelon or black cherry or whatever, right? And and it's not asking a lot of you. And and so now it's interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to taste these hard Mountain Dews where the flavor is a little more obscure. I mean, I don't even know, you know, maybe either of you has a better idea what like, traditional quote-unquote traditional Mountain Dew what the flavor is really supposed to be I mean it just kind of I remember like, it I remember I was about to ask you both it's like it's a citrusy uh, sweet like <laughs> I, I I like I can remember like I will know when we drink this if it tastes yes. I can remember what Mountain Dew tastes like do you guys ever drink Surge I was just gonna say I think I only <laughs> I only drank Surge I like Surge then. I, I like Surge I was a jolt cola guy if I needed something horrifying uh, to my body. I liked Surge. Like when I was first, it's so funny. Like when I was first driving and I'd be like, you know, I'd have to like drive at night or whatever. But like, I didn't have a Surge. I'm like, what was I doing? Like just to drive at night? It was hilarious. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I, I think I will know. But, but I'm curious. And, and that's why I think we've talked about these enough. I feel like we should start. Yeah, trying. let's drink them. Mm. So let's, I where are we, we starting? We should try the classic. We have four. In front of so us. I think we should go. Here's the order I think we should go. So the classic, I think the most successful after initially was Baja Blast. I think the I most- think we should save that for last. Let's save the Baja Blast for last. Yeah. So I think we should go regular, then maybe watermelon black cherry, then Baja Blast. Sounds good to me. Um, okay, let's try the original. Okay, let's crack this baby open. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it smells like Mountain Dew, and it looks like Ooh. Mountain Dew. That is oh, yellow. This also yeah. reminds me of the ecto coolers. You guys remember those? Mm-hmm. No, what's that? Oof. Okay, it smells. Oof. It d- definitely smells like Mountain Dew. Oh yeah, it definitely smells like Mountain Dew. Because here's the thing about like doing one of these, which must be so fun for the Boston Beer Company, is no one's pretending these are natural flavors. No one gives a shit, right? Like mm-hmm. these are supposed to be artificial. Mm-hmm. Woo! Let's try it. Yeah. Oh, interesting though. Ooh. A thing I didn't realize, although it makes sense now that I think about it, is. This is does not have caffeine. Does not have caffeine in it. No caffeine. No. Right. And you know what else is bad about this? The zero sugar. Yeah, it ruins it. Yeah. You need the. Sh- you actually need sugar in this because the zero sugar is causing that aspartame mm-hmm. flavor on your on your palate, but not that like coating sweet flavor that you want to keep drinking. Right. This is actually very off putting because of the zero sugar. Although I will say to its credit, I guess. You cannot taste the alcohol one bit. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. This 5% alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. This tastes like flat Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and that's weird because it's carbonated, but you know what I mean? It just tastes. But it's not that carbonated. It's not as aggressively carbonated as a soda. As a soda, which is also, I think, a problem. And mm-hmm. I really am missing that sugar. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sweet, but it doesn't no, have the sugar. The, it's got the diet. Like, it has yeah, the diet thing, and I'm not a diet cola guy, so. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part I mean, part of it is like, right, you're trying to walk this very fine line with all these products, and because it's 5% alcohol, you're at like 100 calories, I think, for a 12-ounce can. Right, right. And so, like, you're kind of putting yourself in a bind. If that, if it also had the amount of sugar that a normal Mountain Dew has, I mean, you'd be at least double that, if not more. So you're really like, oh. that's a pretty tough 
I don't, it's a kind of un, unclear. And, and the thing that I wanted to ask you guys now that we've had it and we will obviously taste the rest is I do think there's also something to this where it's like a little bit of an open question whether this is trying to like serve too many masters and therefore will kind so. of not satisfy anyone. I don't think if, if you're drinking hard Mountain Dew, I don't think you have a fuck about calorie count. Like, but I mean, you, they didn't just do no market research on this. Like, obviously, they think that they, people do. I get maybe maybe diet soda sells a lot more than regular soda, and I'm just a, an idiot and not paying attention it, to it the soda industry. I, yeah. There must be diet Mountain Dew. In fact, I know there is. So maybe that's part of it too, right? People, that's a bigger thing. Are we on to watermelon here? Oh, we're on to watermelon. But I also think that if you're competing with like a White Claw and all of these other all of these other brands, like you have to keep the calories in check. Right, because otherwise, why would people yeah. pick this over those? Dude, look how pink this is. Very pink. Yeah, like this is. Oh. You can you can smell this one from like <laughs> way so away. Good. Yeah, this smells like you know confectioner's watermelon. Like mm-hmm. candy. Well, it smells like bubble, like like watermelon gum. Oh yeah, I used like to love that. Smackers watermelon lip balm. When I so when I was uh, in middle school. We used to when I go away to summer camp, and not wasn't a sleepaway camp kid, like day camp. Let's be clear. Uh, usually, like something weird, like basketball camp or whatever. There was always a snack bar, right? And mm-hmm. this reminds me of when you would go to the snack bar. Your parents would give you like five bucks during the day to get some some one or two snacks. And I would like you know kids would always get the ring pops, mm-hmm. and this smells like a, a watermelon ring pop. Yes, it does. Tastes like one too. Oh yeah, honestly. This is better than the Mountain Dew <laughs> because I think it's so aggressively flavored with watermelon that I'm not missing that mm-hmm. classic Mountain Dew flavor that I associate with sugar. Mm-hmm. Right. This just tastes like watermelon soda. Diet watermelon soda. Diet watermelon soda. like melted watermelon popsicle. Yes. It has some vodka in it, but no vodka. But you can't okay. you really no. can't taste You can't taste alcohol, alcohol at all. No. These are, and again – this just goes back to my point of like, I get why they're all doing it, but for having been for so long, so nervous, like if, if a kid drank this, they would not fucking know that this has alcohol in it. Yeah. Well, and that's of course part of the, the tough part about walking this line, right? Cause like anyone, any of these companies that puts out a hard soda, whether it's Mountain Dew branded or otherwise, you know, they're not going to put the alcohol front and center cause it's not what they do. Right. right. Like that's why they're, doing this under the auspices of Boston Beer Co. Like they can't even, they don't, I don't know whether they can't legally or just don't have the capacity to produce all this, you know, malt, you know, malt beverage. Um, But, you know, I, I think it'd be curious to see if we at some point down the road, if this category continues to grow the hard soda category in particular, and we mm-hmm. see full sugar, full, you know, 5% alcohol, 250 calorie, 12 ounce cans. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. I think we will. I mean, well, well, like the Jack and Coke or Jack and Cola, they're not using diet, right? Uh, Which is I interesting. No, I think they're actually using real Coke. Right. Yeah, they're not worried. So, like the the crowns that they're not putting calorie counts, they're not they're not worried about the calorie counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going for, but they're going for a different consumer yes. who drinks a Jack and Coke or who drinks a Crown and Cola. Right. And that's what they want a the flavor to taste forward. like. They mm-hmm. want a spirit yeah. forward with a little bit of the sweetness of the cola mm-hmm. drink. I think the people who are drinking these hard Mountain Dews don't want to taste the alcohol. No, they don't. Yeah. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Black cherry. (laughs) Smells like black cherry. It does. (laughs) Smells like confectionery black cherry. Why did I just swirl that? (laughs) What do you think? I I think it it tastes like it smells. (laughs) It, It smells like it tastes like black cherry. Yeah. Soda. 
It tastes Actually, like diet. It tastes like uh, diet Boylan's black cherry soda. Yes, it does. Either I'm just getting desensitized or something, but this is a, of the three the most appealing. To also yes. like black cherry. Like I think this is actually like less aggressively artificial tasting, even though it's obviously very, very artificial. Mm-hmm. I also think these are like these are more classic just soda flavors you can find other places, yeah. especially black cherry, right? Like, yeah. um, I think yeah. So that therefore, it's a flavor we are we more used to. Yeah, easily. reference. Mm-hmm. And you might have had it at one point in time in the diet version. Right. Um, yeah. Like I've never had Diet Mountain Dew. So someone who maybe likes Diet Mountain Dew would be like, oh, this tastes exactly the way it tastes. Well, these are all Mountain Dew flavors. Is that right? Yes, they okay. are. Okay. I assume they must be. Aha Blast is So a- it's a very popular Mountain Dew flavor. All right, let's get there. Well, it's I don't a have, very popular I don't have the flavor. reference point for Baja Blast. Yeah, because come on, man. You're on that. Get a, get a blast in Baja. <laughs> Goes well with some Baja fish tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Your classic pairing right there. Classic pairing Baja Blast and Baja Fish Tacos. <laughs> and carne asada. No, no, no. Yeah. It's um this one's like uh Mountain Dew's always been to me like a very like SoCal brand. Yo, bro. Oh. Yeah. Let's shred. I thought it would be blue. Oh, this is very blue though. <laughs> it looks like it looks like dirty uh pool water. Dirty pool water. Or like <clears throat> aquarium water. Mm-hmm. My little, my little, gold, little, little Nemo is gonna get drunk <laughs> and swim around in this. I don't even know what this is supposed to smell like. I've never, yeah, had- I know, or, or tastes like. It's kind of like indistinct to me, but like actually not that offensive. Mm-mm. It has a, it's like a blue raspberry. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's bad. I would say, <laughs> I would say the two classic Mountain Dew flavors are the worst. Oh yeah, huh. I like the black cherry best. Black cherry and watermelon are the best. I think I prefer this to watermelon, but I don't. Old, black cherry is the only one that I could envision actually drinking more of. Although I Ooh. probably will not. And here's the problem: is that I get it. There's no sugar, and there's five percent alcohol. But like you taste these, and they're so sweet. Yeah. Again, like I feel like I'm gonna have a diabetic attack. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're but just, you won't. But you won't. <laughs> You'll and just be worried that you will. Hearing. <laughs> Oh man, that's flavor science, y'all. Uh, this has been really interesting. Yes, I definitely see though that these are going to do very well in colleges. And well, probably... they're sold out, right? Yeah, they're totally sold out. Where they're available, they're sold out. Thank you. Only in three yeah. states right now, to be fair. But yes, I think they're going to blow up. Yeah. Oh man, the youth are going to just. What's this going to do to our drinking culture, man? I don't know. I don't think anything that hasn't already happened. Yeah, it actually (laughs) probably isn't going to change shit. I think people are going to start stop mixing Mountain Dew with vodka, right? Actually, and they're going to start buying this. Yeah, which is maybe better. Yeah, although now I kind of want to try a classic Dew and and bourbon. Mm. I never had that. Huh? Huh? We can make it happen, Adam. Well, weekend plans for you. You can tell us all about (laughs) it on Monday. I will. Well, you guys have a great weekend, and I'll see you back on. Monday. See you then. I won't see you. You'll be on vacation. Oh yeah, I'll be out. <laughs> well, those that join time. us. Next we'll time. see you next next time, Joanna. Next time. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, 
I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.